What is going on, everybody? It is episode two of Keeping It Real with Teasel. Um, this episode is called When Life Gives You Lemons, right? Um, this is the, the point of this episode is to give you my life experience in terms of overcoming life's adversity. Um, you know, we're going to go through a tough time in my life in college, uh, going through um, losing my dad to cancer. Um, But before I dive into that, I just realized that I have a lot of friends out there who are owners of small businesses um, or trying to promote something that's going to, you know, change the world. And what I would like to do for episode three for next week, um, you have between now and Sunday night, that's when I usually do my podcast, um, to um, reach out to me uh, with your business, with what you're trying to promote, your product, your food service, whatever it is. I would love to give you um, some free airtime on my podcast um, and, you know, maybe your product or your service or your food industry is something that somebody else is looking for. So I would love to do that to start um, just obviously trying to help my friends be, be as successful as possible. So, all right, diving into when life gives you lemons, right? So this is, like I said, my dad's cancer story. So dad was born, you know, January 26th, 55, passed away May 5th, 2013. Um, He was diagnosed with pancreatic and um, liver cancer. It's tough, right? I was 21 years old. I just turned 21 a couple months previously. Um, It was a shock to the system. Um, Never in a million years would I think that someone close to me um, especially, you know, bloodline family would have ever had to deal with cancer. You know, the C words, one of those things where you're, you know, you obviously know her friends or family or her stories, but never thought it would happen to you. And that was me. That was me growing up. You know, you would go to those, um, high school seminars or those high school, um, auditorium things and relay for life is there. And like, they would ask you how many of you have had somebody that, you know, affected by cancer. And I was never one of those kids that raised their hand because I just didn't know anybody that was related to me. And that's the, that was the thing that I was like, I felt kind of blessed and grateful for. Um, but that quickly changed once I got to college. So, um, you know, let me set the scene for you guys uh, in terms of when I found out. Right. So every year I used to go visit my mom in Las Vegas. She worked at UNLV. So we would always spend Christmas and New Year's together um, out there. And, you know, it was nice. Weather was a little bit warmer in back east. And, you know, it was always good getting get to see her and my grandparents. And usually my uncle from L.A. came across. And sometimes my uncle from Baltimore would fly out. So we have a great time. And um, I'll never forget the day. It was uh, December 28th of 2012. Now, before I left to go to Vegas, I knew my dad wasn't doing well. But, like, nothing that was he was ever alarmed with or I was alarmed with. It was more of a, you know, go get it checked out. Let's see what happens. It's not going to be the worst thing in the world. And, you know, we'll be fine. We'll be good. No, don't worry about it. Right. But he knew he was going to get the test results of all his, you know, CAT scan and MRIs and all that stuff um, um, on the 28th. So obviously I was anticipating waiting for that from my phone, waiting by my phone. Um, so um, I'm from L.A., came across. I'm from Baltimore. was at my mom's place. We were all kind of hanging out. I remember I was playing Monopoly with my uh, my uh, my um, my niece, or uh, sorry, my cousin, sorry, my cousin Christina, and um, you know I get a get a text from my dad, and he was like, yeah, you know I got stage four pancreatic and liver cancer, and I'm like, what? Like you had to do I had to do a double take. I was like, what? And um, 
a lot of things were going through my head all at once. I was like, like, how did this happen? Why did this happen? Where was stage one, two, and three? Um, what's the next step? How do we beat this? Can we beat this? Like, there was a million different things kind of going through my mind at that time. And for me, I'm just at a point where I'm like, all right, so what is the next, like, what do I do? And to be fair, before I even got to that, I threw my phone, went into the bathroom, locked myself in, and I cried for probably about two hours, right? Um, never in a million years would I've ever thought that somebody that close to me would get affected by um, cancer. And it's like, it was it was tough, you know? I, I didn't know how to react. Uh, I didn't know what to do next. Um, Obviously, I had my family with me, so they were trying to give me advice and things like that. And um, one of the biggest things that, you know, my Uncle Harry told me at that point, and, you know, not that it was the uh, nicest thing in the world, but it was the truth. He was like, listen, you're going to have to bury all of us one day. And that was a hard reality that I had to kind of come to grips with because you never think at 21 years old that, you know, your parents and aunts and uncles they're ever going to die they think that you they think you think that they're invincible they'll be around forever and you know they're going to be that support system forever and the harsh reality is nobody lives forever uh, that's the sad truth and um it was tough you know it was tough for me to really kind of grasp on what was to happen next and i didn't really know how to channel that bad energy or that negativity so what i did was um there was a local boxing gym not too far away from my mom's place and I would go there once a day and do either boxing class, kickboxing class, or, you know, whatever in between. And I would 100% take all of my anger, my frustration, um, my sadness, whatever you want to call it, out in that punching bag. And I would put my full effort into it. And it got to the point where they were like, oh, you should be a boxer. I was like, no, I'm actually just really upset in terms of life. Um, and then yeah, I didn't want to go into too much detail with them, but I was really upset and I didn't really know how else to get out my anger, right? And to be fair, I think for me, it was a great outlet because the last thing that you want to do is be angry and upset and do something stupid that you're going to regret for the rest of your life. I think that's one thing that I think a lot of people sometimes fall into the trap of where something goes wrong and they resort to some type of violence or drug or alcohol abuse or whatever, and that's never the answer, right? It gets you a momentary high get you a momentary like relief of that issue but then you're right back down to ground zero where you're facing your fears again so i was at the point where i needed to get my frustration out and i just took it out on the back you know great workout positive um stuff came out of it um the energy uh that i put into it allowed me to be super tired because i couldn't sleep um for the first couple of nights and the worst part is for two nights back to back i had the exact same dream and the dream was I was literally giving a eulogy at my dad's uh, funeral. Um, and I could remember exactly where it was. I could remember the, the suit I had on. I could remember the shirt and tie I had on. I could remember faces in the crowd. It was just, it was scary. Absolutely scary. I never would have thought in a million years that I would be dreaming of something like that. Um, and it was tough because, you know, the new year came and I'm with my mom and you know, I know that there were a lot of new challenges coming my way that I never faced before. So it was something where I'm going to have to, you know, let's say put put on your your big boy shoes or big boy, your, roll up your big boy pants and um, get to it. 
you know, I, and I didn't know what was going to come, but I knew that I just had to be there for my dad. I know I had to be strong for my dad as he had been for me uh, my entire life growing up. And, and that's that was it. And I was going to kind of learn on the way um, what I needed to do. So move forward a couple of days. I'm still in Vegas before I head back. And you know, obviously I, I feel like I had an obligation to let Providence know uh, what was going on. Um, I think we had a group chat or whatever it was, and I, you know, I posted in there, you know, what I was going through, and the amount of support and love that I got from the team, coaching staff, other members was the absolute best. That made the difference for me, hundred um, percent. You know, I never thought that you know so many people would give a open, uh, open up their arms to me, and I, you know, be like, if you ever need anything, please reach out. Um, obviously, we're here for you and things like that, and that 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 made that meant the world to me, and that's where I started to fall in love with Providence, um, just because of their support and what they did for me during that time. Um, and it was tough because I, I didn't know what to do. You know, I knew that I, the spring semester was coming up in a couple of weeks. Obviously, I'm a student athlete. There's athletic money on the line, things like that. Um, but I knew, you know, my dad was sick, and I needed to figure out a way to spend as much time with them as possible before it was too late and to be honest at that time they were talking about early june january 2013 i wasn't ready to hear the answer in terms of how much time that he had left um, i wasn't ready to face the music uh, in terms of you know how long i had to spend with them i wasn't ready for that so i avoided that question um <laughs> as i avoided like the plague if i'm being honest with you because um, it was tough it was, I didn't want to hear how long someone had to live that I cared about. So I'd rather have not have asked the question more than anything. Um, but traveling back to Delaware, I knew I had a job to do. Um, I knew that I needed to figure out, you know, how am I going to make it all work? And I remember I took the red eye back, a dad picked me up from the airport and you know, the first thing that we're talking about is like life insurance and wills and things like that. And that was the last thing I wanted to talk about. I'm just like, I'm still in shock on what you just told me five, six days ago. So I'm not even ready to get into all that stuff yet. Um, It's not, it wasn't easy, you know, being a caregiver um, wasn't easy. Um, Tending to someone you love that had to go through chemotherapy and radiation and things like that wasn't easy either. Watching someone that you love struggle was not easy. But the thing that I always reminded myself was that if he's not complaining, I'm not complaining. Right. So I was like, you know what? If he can get through this, I can be the biggest support system for him. And that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do everything in my power to spend as much time with him as possible. And as long as he's not complaining about anything, I have no right to. Because at the end of the day, I have a, a lot more going for me than anything. And I try to teach that in terms of perspective. Like people complain or kids complain about this, complain about that. I'm like, you people don't realize how good they have it sometimes. That there are so many other people, not just in this country, but around the world that aren't as fortunate. Um, to whether it be schooling systems, you know, sleeping in a comfortable bed, roof over your head, clothes on your back, food on the table. You know, even for some money in the bank account, whatever the case is, a lot of people don't have that. So we definitely have to count our blessings no matter what, because it's super important that we are grateful for the small things that we do have um, and we don't take them for granted. But anyway, um, for the next three weeks, I'm home in Delaware. I am 
at a point now where daddy went through first round of chemotherapy and to see the type of effect that it had on his body was the worst um how much he had to sleep the things that he usually liked in terms of food didn't taste the same um you know obviously he's losing weight um you know there's so many things that are just hard to describe and it's hard to take especially for someone that you care about uh, to watch them go through that so it was tough and you know obviously I'm home from school and the rest of the family has full-time jobs you know so they can't really get around till six seven o'clock at night um to maybe either relieve me or just kind of check in on them so you know I'm there you know most of the time and it was tough for me because I was helping as much as I could um and being the best support system that I could but there was no time that I could go express myself, right? I had that time in Vegas where I can go to the boxing gym and get out my frustration and my anger and things like that. But in Delaware, I couldn't because I, I had to take care of my dad. So anytime somebody would come, my sister, my aunts, uncles, whoever, I would take that time and I'd go for a run. And I tell you, I would run. It's like I was running away from my problems. I could, at that point, I could run a four mile and like, like 23 minutes like how fast I felt like I was running like it was no joke I was um booking it right and but that was a way that I could clear my head I could get out all of my frustration and anger and I could walk myself through the next situation of what I needed to do and if it was running I'd be in the backyard just kicking a soccer ball I mean I guys I guys I can't really explain to you how massive it was for me that soccer really took over my life and it get me and let me have that outlet because I could just go in the backyard and start juggling the ball and it's like the all the worries in the world went away. All the struggles weren't there anymore. Any financial situation didn't matter. I was at peace, right? And that's what soccer did for me. Um, and over the next three weeks, I'm doing the best that I can um, in terms of taking care of him, trying to spend as much time as possible. But it was so hard for me to not get frustrated because... I, I needed to get rid of this anger. I was still so angry and I was so frustrated. And I always asked the question, why me? Why why my dad? Why why is it happening to my family, right? It's especially to someone that did nothing wrong to the world, um, lived a very healthy lifestyle, worked out multiple times a day, eat all the healthy foods, things like that, you know? And it just coming out of nowhere. Um, and it was tough because as I got closer to the start of the spring semester, I needed to make a decision on what I was going to do. Was I going to take the semester off, right? Be behind or, you know, do I come up with some hybrid way of spend time home and at school to finish the semester and not be behind? Or do I, you know what I'm saying? I was just trying to figure it out. Um, but I, like I said before, I had an obligation. I felt that I had to um, see through, you know, I was on some, I was on some athletic money and I needed to be there. So what I decided to do Monday to Friday, I would be in Providence, taking my classes, things like that. Saturday, Sunday, I would be home, spending it with my dad. And um, it was tough. All right, for those of you that know Providence, Rhode Island, from Wilmington, Delaware, it's about a, if you're going the speed limit, it's about a five and a half hour drive, uh, depending on getting through New York, five and a half, six hour drive. Um, and this was my schedule, kind of going through the spring, and this is the in terms of you know work ethic or by any means necessary attitude I have now started here because I wasn't going to let a weekend go by that I wasn't going to spend time with my dad and I knew I needed I had business to do and he was a big advocate of my education that I needed to graduate and 
you wanted me to graduate with a 4.0 and I'm like, Hey dad, listen, I'm not that smart. So we're going to have to try another route. But, um, he was, he was definitely big on my education. So it was my mom. So this was my schedule. I did this religiously for the, almost the entirety of the semester. I would leave Delaware, um, about 9 PM Sunday night. Uh, I would drive through the night. I would get to Providence around 1 2 o'clock at the latest. Um, there came a point in time where I just couldn't sleep anymore. Um, too much going through my head, anger, frustration, whatever you want to call it. That was a lot. So I couldn't even sleep. I tried, I tried sleeping, just going to sleep naturally. I tried melatonin. I tried NyQuil, you know, I tried it. It, 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 it did not work for me. I was always up. Um, now, because it's the spring season, right? For those that know college soccer, usually it's where you do your heavy lifting, your fitness tests. Um, you know, NCAA has strict rules and regulations for what you can and can't do. But for Providence College, that's our hardest working time of the year. So we had 6 a.m. lifts uh, Monday, Wednesday. Um, and then my open gym lift, I think, was at 7 or 7.30 on Friday. Right. And then Tuesday, Thursday, we had practice, I think, in the afternoon um, on top of a full full-time student workload I think 12 credits 15 credits whatever it was on top of a on-campus job and an off-campus job coaching on-campus job where I worked in the equipment room on athletics and coach soccer out of campus or off campus um, and then on top of getting study hall hours and meeting professors you know you name it my, my workload was was full my, my plate was full with and there wasn't a dull moment whatsoever and I consistently did that for weeks um, from the time you know school started, I think right after MLK Day, all the way until the week before spring break, um, I was an autopilot. I was up to I was at a point where I was so exhausted, mentally, physically, emotionally, on so many different levels. I was just there, like I was there, but I wasn't there. If that makes sense, um, I just knew I just knew that I needed to go to this spot next. I needed to go to that spot next. I needed to be here. I needed to be there. This is the time that I go to lunch. This is the time I need to be in my academic advisor. Like my schedule was full. Didn't leave much time for anything else. Right. Um, now, fast forward, you know, we get to that week before spring break and or even sorry, let me backtrack two weeks into it. I had a conversation with my coaching staff and uh, the training staff, and they were really concerned because I was doing a lot of night driving, right? And obviously sometimes night driving isn't the safest, especially when you're tired um, with doing a full workload, school, things like that. And they were like, listen, we think it'd be more beneficial if you have your own lifting time, right? So you get to rest a little bit more and things like that. And like, listen, I'm already alone a lot by, by myself right now. I'm driving a lot and I'm not really interacting with a lot of people. So I'd rather just if I have an opportunity to be with the guys, I'd rather be with the guys. And I told them I appreciate the concern, but I will ask for help when I need it. You know, and I wasn't trying to be disrespectful, but I was like, listen, just let me do what I need to do. And if I need help, I will ask for help. And that was my mentality. And that's what I, that's how I am now. Right? I will do everything that I need to do until I physically can't do it myself. And then I ask for help. Um, and it, for me, it, it lets me learn to do things on my own. It teaches me that I am self uh, self-dependent or independent and um, I'm solution-orientated and results-driven. So, you know, for me, I, if I can figure it out myself, no point in me asking for help when the answer might be right in front of me. And that was who I was. And that's how I became um, kind of coming out of this. And I told you that when I said I needed help, I needed it. 
week before uh, spring break, Friday. Um, I just got done left, and I'm headed to the, the dining hall to get some food before, you know, get my classes and hit the road. But I was so exhausted. I was absolutely just so tired. I did everything I could to make sure I was on time for class, on time for workouts, for practice, for, for work on and off campus, on top of driving every weekend, right? And it's about a 300-mile drive. So I'm doing 600 miles every weekend um, on what I had a 98 Chevy Lumina. Um, and that's for about 16 or 17 weeks straight. So I'll let you guys see the math of how many miles I was cranking. But it definitely wasn't easy. And I remember I got to the dining hall swipe my card and I kid you not as soon as I sat down I just broke down in tears I was absolutely exhausted I've exerted all the energy all the the decision making I, I all of it I was done I couldn't do any more I was so exhausted from what I've been doing for the last seven to eight weeks it just I just couldn't do it anymore and I just needed a break and you know, I was doing so well up to that point on keeping my emotions in check, right? I wasn't showing any signs of weakness. Anytime that anybody saw me, you had, you would have no clue that my dad was going through what he was going through. Or I was going through what I was going through because I always had a smile on my face. Um, I was always at a point where, you know, if somebody needed me to do something, you know, as long as it was able within my schedule, I would definitely do it. And I would do everything in my power to try to help others as well. But it it came to a point where I was so just exhausted on so many different fronts and levels and I was burning the can on so many different ends of the stick um, it, it left me no time to really self-reflect or really get my emotions out there in terms of how I was feeling with everything going on because I was so focused on being home with my dad and then I'd be in school and then I'd be with the guys and then um, trying to do everything in my power just to make things work and, and it was tough it was really, really tough, um, but it came down to a point where I just broke down mentally, and it was frustrating because I had to call academic advisor to let my professors know I couldn't go. I literally, I emotionally couldn't do it. I talked to my coaches, and I told them exactly the same thing, and I just had to take the day, and I felt bad even asking for a day off because... You know, I never wanted to let anyone down because I knew for me, if I can take care of everything that I need to take care of, you know, I want to be able to set the example that every other people can do it too with less work. And I wanted to make that known. And it was tough. You know, it was super tough. But either way, um, I needed to take that day. And I went back to my room. I fell asleep for a couple hours, got in the car, then drove to Delaware to be with my dad that weekend. And I remember my mom was super concerned because I obviously I talked to her and tell her everything. And she was making sure I was okay. And you know, she knew I was wearing myself thin, and then she let home my dad because, you know, everything that I was doing, and my dad's conversation with me, like, what's going on? I'm like, it's fine. Just had a mental breakdown. I'm good. Don't worry about it. I'm here. Let's have a great weekend. And that that was my thought process. You know, let me, I don't want to worry about it. I don't want to focus on any negatives, only positives. So I wanted to really just cherish the moments that I had with him still, right? And um, at that point, going into spring break, I don't think I really knew still how much longer he had, and I wasn't ready for that answer. But one day, um, I reached out to one of my dad's best friends. Uh, he was with him through all his chemotherapy appointments and things like that, and I wanted to know. I was like, hey, listen, you know, what is, what is uh, the diagnosis? How long is the doctor giving us? And he said, um, without chemo, you know, six months. With chemo, you're looking at a year to 18 months. And I'm like, okay, you know, a year to 18 months, we're looking in mid-March right now. I'm like, you know what, a year puts us 2014, awesome, right? I graduated 
eight weeks from there, you know, I'm like, that's that's not bad. I think we, we can definitely do that. And it just so happened that the week before, when I was at home in spring break, just found out that the Big East Conference, they're changing the, the, the location for the soccer championship to what was at the time PPL Park, where it was the home of the Philadelphia Union, which was literally five miles from my dad's house, right? That was home for me, right? And I couldn't, I, in my head, I'm like, how awesome would it be if we could get there for those games, the semifinal and the championship? How awesome would it be? And that was my goal at that point. I was like, I, that's something that I wanted more than anything was for him to watch me play. Um, because to be honest with you, he only got to see me play in college once. And it was, um, who, who did we play? I think it was a home game against Marquette. Uh, and it was the weekend of my 21st birthday. So he came up as long as some of my friends from Delaware came up to celebrate. And that was the only time that he actually got to watch me play college soccer live was that year. Um, which is tough, you know, uh, especially as you get to your senior year and you you have those senior nights and your family comes and walks you out. And that was tough for me. You know, it was, it was that 2014 season was tough because I was a absolute mess walking out in the field. Um, you know, I, everyone knew what I had been through and I couldn't help but bring the emotion out because it, it was uh, my last home game. And obviously everyone knows that, you know, your, your parents come out and people that you care about the most are there. Um, for that special night and he wasn't there and it was it was super tough for me um but anyway going through the rest of that semester i was um i was doing what i needed to do right i I was so focused on on school that i got done all of my assignments like five six weeks in advance so i can make sure i spent the time at home with him i didn't have to worry about school or doing a paper or studying for an exam or whatever and it worked out well my classes only had one actual exam and the rest were papers so i could i could knock all those out during the week and spend be able to spend the time with him at home and as we got a little bit closer uh, to the end of the year you know i, I kind of see the light at the end of the tunnel right i'm like all right well you know i only got a couple more weeks left i can get through it you know the soccer load hasn't gotten as bad because we're playing games now um i see the light at the end of the tunnel and we get to the weekend before um we get to the weekend before reading week, right? Where there's not really too many classes. People are getting ready for their last final exams. And I'm in Delaware. You know, it's Sunday. Um, I'm getting ready to, you know, take a quick nap before I have to hop on the road back to Providence. And I remember I was woken up and, you know, they were saying that my dad wasn't responding. I was like, what do you mean? You know, he, he was awake. I went in. He's laying in the bed. He's awake. His eyes are open. His hands are moving feet are moving legs are moving all that stuff but he is not responding like no verbs no words or anything like that and uh i'm like dad like you okay you know what's going on still nothing and i'm you know we're getting kind of concerned because it's been a couple minutes now i haven't said a word not eating anything and uh we think he's having a stroke so we're like jesus christ okay um so i call 911 and at first it went to voicemail. So I was like, screw it. I went, got my dad's car, put it up on the, in the grass and on the, on the sidewalk. I was going to carry him there and we were going to head to the hospital. Luckily I called again and they picked up. Ambulance was on their way. And up to this point, besides that mental breakdown that I had, everything was good. I was good emotionally. My emotions were in check. Didn't show, you know, any signs of weakness or whatever. But because it was because I was in, in control, right? I was in control of my situation. I was in control of my surroundings and it made it easier for me to figure out what I needed to do at what point in time. This threw me a complete curveball. 
he's getting rushed to the hospital in an ambulance. I'm following, and I am an absolute mess. I completely lost it because I didn't know if this was going to be the end or not. And I'm calling my mom, and I bawling, absolutely bawling my eyes out. And I don't know what to do. No idea. Because up to this point, I've been in so much control that I could see what was coming next. Right. But I also knew over those last four months, I literally saw, you know, my dad deteriorate physically for what the chemotherapy did. Um, because it, it, it knocked him back so much that he wouldn't eat, you know, and obviously you're not eating, you're losing weight and things like that. And it was just, it was tough, tough to watch, tough to swallow, um, everything in between. So I'm rushing to the hospital and calling as many people as I can, family to come. Um, and, you know, once we get, they get him situated, they found out that it was his blood sugar dropped dramatically low or dangerously low. And that's why he wasn't responding. And then his cancer doctor comes in and says that, you know, the cancer had spread a lot more aggressively and um, only gave him a couple more days to live. And 21 years old, you know, going through your junior year and you have to hear from a doctor that only has a couple more days left to live. What do you do? You know, and even when he got that when he got that um, news, I, I never seen so much calmness. And I think, and to be fair, going out through the entire process, my dad never complained once. Right? He um, was an absolute trooper. And people that know pancreatic cancer is probably one of the worst cancers by far. You know, never complained, never belly ached. You know, he did what he needed to do. And, you know, that's the type of mentality that I took. And I'm like, if he's not going to complain, there's no reason why I should complain, right? If he's able to go through chemo and still keep a great attitude and do what he needs to do, why can't I do the what I need to do to make sure that he's happy and not complain about it, right? It just, it just, it just didn't make sense. Why would I add more stress to somebody that's already going through such a traumatic time right now, you know? So I was just so focused on um, being there for him and, you know, doing whatever I needed to do to make sure that he was happy that I never, I never worried about it. So we're going through, um, you know, the last couple of days of the hospital and things like that. And, you know, we're at a point where, you know, we're reaching out to all of his, you know, uh, other family members, friends, uh, former Air Force buddies, union workers, uh, members, things like that. And because, you know, there's only a couple of days. So people are trying to say, you know, say his goodbyes and. You know, we had to really kind of put him up on some good medicine to make sure that he could handle all the visitation and people coming to say hi and things like that. And it was great because I, I got to really see how how loved my dad was and how much of an impact that he made on so many different people throughout his life. Um, it was great. You know, I mean, people were so supportive and, you know, coming to say hi and dropping off flowers and things like that and being able to hear just kind of stories um, before I was born or when I was really young and my dad and being in the Air Force and things like that. So those are things that, you know, definitely stick with me for sure. And it got so crazy to the point that the person that you were sharing a room would have to actually go to another room because of how many people were coming to the uh, the hospital to visit him. That's how, that's how crazy it was. So for me, you know, that was something that I wanted to live up to, to have that type of like ability to help people in so many different ways that, um, you know, you're somebody that would go out of the way to see you um, at your worst moment, you know, and that's what I try to do now in terms of my life is, is 
just trying to be in a good human, being a good person, you know, helping out when I can. Um, and to be honest, you know, one person helping somebody else and that positivity could lead to something else and a chain effect, right? Spread that love, spread that positivity within yourself, within your family, within your friends, because you never know who that's going to affect in a positive light and how it's going to affect other people down the line. And, you know, it was, it was great to see so many people that love my dad on so many different levels. And, you know, it, it was tough because I remember I, I was sleeping next to my dad when he passed away on May 5th and for me May 5th is always going to be just a tough day you know I know a lot of people Cinco de Mayo and yeah, I go get drinks and tacos and whatever right but for me you know I always remember my dad on May 5th it's it's a day that I'll never forget um, and it, it it was tough because 21 years old just did everything under the sun to spend as much time as possible with what I had available um having the idea that you know hopefully with chemo a year to a year and a half you know would set me up for a situation where he would at least be able to see me walk across the stage right graduate from college that was something he was big on so i was hoping that was something I could make work you know and that was i was really hoping for and um it's tough because you know you go through these life milestones um and you always want your parents there and i think one of the biggest messages i can give away from just my story in terms of dealing with my dad and what he had to go through is not put off things because you know you're mad at somebody you care about or um being upset with them right tell the people that you love that you love them every day um tell the people who you don't get to see that much or spend that much time with really cherish those moments because those are the memories that are going to last you a lifetime and those are the memories that are going to carry on once they're gone Right. It's it's something where if I, I would give everything I have right now, every literally every amount of money in my bank account, car, everything just to be able to have a 10 minute conversation with my dad again. And those are things that you can't ever take back. Right. You can't get that time back. So biggest message just learning from me is definitely take those moments and use them. Right. Whether you're a kid to your parents or you're a parent to your kids or you know a legal guardian whatever the case is if you love somebody you know make sure that you express that each and every day and that they mean the world to you right and do stuff together i think that's the most important thing don't wait for next year don't wait for next month don't wait a couple weeks from now make sure that you're investing that time with those people because once that time is gone you're never going to get it back and i think you know kind of the kind of wrap it all up i think one of the biggest things were two events um you know that really kind of made it all kind of come together and then like i said that that 2013 season the biggest championship was at you know the philadelphia home of the philadelphia union the ppl park and it was a team goal not just myself that to get back to for to be fair not to get back to but to, to take me home that was the goal. It's like, can we get Kiesel home? And that was one of the biggest gestures I think anyone could ever make for me was that they put their blood, sweat, and tears just for me to be able to go home um, and be in a place where me and my dad would go to countless union games together. Or, um, you know, where my family could come watch me play um, on a big stage, right? Under the lights in November, right? As we get close to the tournament. And, 
never if I was the, the rewinded there was not one like there's that night right it was a semifinal against Georgetown it was just one of those nights where everything just went our way or went my way if I should say um it was just my whole family was there my mom flew across the country from Vegas Uncle Harry came up from Baltimore fam family friends I mean you name it I probably had a ticket list like 45 people long and that night he was with me 100% I cannot put into words the feeling that I had playing that night that no matter what happened I was on another level and it was because he was with me protecting the goal together and long story short the game ended 0-0 we went into penalty kicks and what I did was I asked my boy Mike um, I was like hey can you grab my dad's dog tags because he was in the Air Force I had his dog tags I was like can you bring my dad's dog tags and I sat the, the dog tags next to the goal uh, that we were doing the PK shootout. And it came down to, um, you know, the last kick. And if I save it, we win, go to the championship. If I don't, I think we have another round. And I don't know what told me to dive to my right, but I dove to my right and I made the save. And the amount of emotion that just came over me at that moment, um, running over to my mom and my family and my friends um, and everything that we went through as a family um, what everything that my teammates saw me go through um, through that spring semester not that that was the icing on the cake but that was something that I, that moment when you've worked so hard for something to get back to a place where I was hoping to have my dad there um, it just it over, overcame with emotion I was crying um, gave my mom the biggest hug in the world told her I loved her um, it was something that you know I'll never ever forget and then you even fast forward you know nine months later eight months later I had um, I, I was able to graduate I walked uh, May of 2014 um, and the whole family came up from Delaware um, and you know I remember we went out to dinner after uh, after graduation and um the amount of tears uh, coming out of all of us was just, you know, how proud everyone was um, to be able to go through what I went through and still be able to graduate on time um, was everything that my dad wanted by far. And just be able to live in the moment with my family was unbelievable. Um, you know, it wasn't just me, obviously, going to school, but the... Um, you know, the sacrifice that my mom had to make to pay for school, um, to get me there, uh, to help keep me there, uh, was super important. And all the love that she did in terms of flying back and forth to catch games and things like that. It's, it was, it was a team effort more than anything. So without, without my family, my parents it wouldn't have been able to go through, but it definitely comes from my parents instilling on me the value of education. And even now being a 28, I have my degree. Um, that can never be taken away from me and that'll set me up for jobs and careers no matter what I decide to do moving forward um, but being able to honor my dad in the best way shape or form is something that I'm proud of and I try to do that every day and it all comes down just to learn just to, to be able to apply all the things that they that my parents taught me as I was growing up um, you know being a good person right being polite and courteous 
you know, how to be respectful to others and things like that. Those are all small things that they taught me that made the biggest of difference. And like I said in, in the beginning, you know, you know, <laughs> when life gives you lemons, right? You know, the whole point is can we make lemonade from it? It's not when life gives you lemons, you just take it and you just fall to the ground and you give up. It's can you overcome? Can you get knocked down seven times, stand up eight? It's no matter what life throws at you, can you better yourself, right? And you're going to make a difference. And people are going to see that, right? I don't, I, if I, not saying that if, you know, I would have given up or not come, come back to school that spring, not that we wouldn't have made the big semifinal championship, but I, I feel as though that like putting in that effort and showing all of my teammates that I am here, I'm willing to work no matter what's going on. You guys are my family. That made a difference for sure. Um, and I'm so thankful for Providence men's soccer program for everything that they've done for me um, throughout my career there, not just that year, but also my career, because without them, I wouldn't be where I am today. Um, there was a lot of driving forces that kept me going through those long drives um, through the night. I'll be honest with you, like when, it, when you get physically tired and mentally tired and emotionally tired, you, you get some deep, dark thoughts. And like I said, the thing that kept me going the most was knowing that my dad was not quitting. My dad was never giving up. My dad was not complaining. And if he's doing all those things, I have no room to complain one way, shape or form. And that's something that I'll stick with, stick with me for the rest of my life. That's where the hard work comes in. That's where the work ethic comes from. That's where the you know, I'm going to get this done no matter what. When I set my mind to something, I'm going to do it. Um, and it's a mentality that I wish everyone else had because I think as a, as a, whether it's a country or society, whatever you want to call that, when people keep to their word and they, they really put their mind to something, we are unbelievable people, unbelievable creatures. And we will definitely reach heights that we had no idea we would ever reach before. So I definitely want to challenge each and everybody that if you're going through something, right, don't let that be who you are. Rise above it. If you get knocked down another time, make sure you stand up one more time and you keep moving forward. That's going to be the biggest message coming out of this is like life is going to give you limits. It's going to knock you down. It's going to hurt. But the biggest thing is that you make sure that you stand up and you continue to move forward no matter what, because nobody can do it for you. You have to do it for yourself. Um, and that that's, that's my biggest message from today is no matter what you're going through continue to strive for greatness, continue to do better, continue to get back up and keep moving forward. I appreciate you guys listening. I appreciate you allowing me to share my story and be vulnerable with you guys. Um, this is who I am. This is keeping it real with Kiesel. I appreciate you and I will see you all next week.